0: Welcome to the Sidious Mag podcast. I'm your host Chris Chavez. Happy New Year. Before we get to today's episode of the show, I have a little bit of personal and professional news to share with you. Some of you may have already seen it on social media or in my newsletter blast, but if you're just a podcast listener, here it is. We are taking a major step forward with Sidious Mag in 2022. For those who are newer to following the site or the podcast, allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm Chris Chavez. I've covered track and field at all levels from high school to the Olympics for the past decade. I'm actually celebrating 10 years in 2022. I wrote and edited stories across all sports for Sports Illustrated for the past six and a half years while also providing my own original reporting around some of the biggest stories within track, marathons, and the summer games. I got my start covering the sport with FlowTrack, ESPN, and Sporting News while I was in college. In 2017, I decided to start Sidious as a new voice within the track and field media space for commentary, analysis, humor, and personality. And we came out of the gates with some relatable, engaging, and fun-written content before I decided that we should be leaning a little bit more into the podcasting space for storytelling. Four years later, we dipped our toes into the broadcasting space alongside Trials and Miles to produce three free, awesome live track meets that were really well-received by fans, In partnership with Hayward Magic, I helped direct a program called The Magic Boost, which aimed to mentor and amplify some of the rising track and field storytellers in the sport. On the podcasting front, we now have a network filled with engaging interviews across the Sidious Mag Podcast, More Than Running with Dana Giordano, Run Your Mouth with David Melli, Social Sport with Emma Zimmerman, D3 Glory Days with Stuart Newstat, and Noah Drati. And so last year we produced more than 226 hours of content. Across written word, audio, video, and social media, we've strived to share original and quality content that pushes the sport forward. Sidious Mag is going to be my full-time home for my writing, podcasts, and videos starting this year. 2022 is going to bring you more of what you love and some new things. Please welcome. The lap count is now into the fold. More details and specifics will be coming soon. I hope you guys will continue following along as this country prepares to host the World Championships this summer in Eugene, Oregon. And the Olympics are in LA in 2028, so we're hoping to do some really cool things in the lead-up to that as well. Sidious Mag was a passion project for me for the past five years, doing interviews after a full day of writing and editing, producing podcasts into the night, calling sponsors on my own. Now I've decided to go all in at this pivotal moment for track and field, and I've enlisted the help and hired some friends as we try to share some more stories that center on the things that make this sport one of the best, showcase the athletes, and help usher in some more new fans. So thank you all for supporting, and I'm really excited to take this step forward. Support for this episode also comes from listeners like you. And thanks again to everyone who has helped make this leap of faith possible. Many thanks to everyone who has backed us on Patreon. So a warm welcome to Jack Wickens, Melissa Brady, Amanda Moreland, Linnea Berman, Lindsay Russo, Todd Johnson, Kate Gustafson, Kevin Shea, Andrew McKay, Diogo Corvero, Sean Kerrigan, Andrew Jackson, like the president? Hannah Borenstein, Kathy Grody Goetz, Michelle Perry, Matthew Gurky, Patrick Levin, Caitlin Campbell, and Barry Long for signing up within the past two weeks. We are starting off the year strong. So if you enjoy what we're doing across the City of Smag podcast network, whether it's this show, whether it's D3 Glory Day is more than running, or you just follow us to keep up with the sport, support us over at patreon.com slash smag. On Patreon, you can donate anything from $1 a month, and we even have some people who contribute $20 a month so we can cover hosting expenses. We can plan for on-location coverage, content trips, website expenses, and other things like hiring our podcast producer, to help out with some of the shows. Think of $4 a month on Patreon like buying me, my colleague Mac Fleet, or our podcast producer Mike a cup of coffee. Anything more than that is greatly appreciated. And for those of you who are unable to commit to a monthly contribution, you can also make a one-time donation by sending any dollar amount to Sidious Mag on Venmo. Feel free to include any message you want to let us know why. It could be because you enjoy the conversations. Maybe we're keeping you company on runs or on a commute. Or if you just want to shout out a friend, teammate, coach, or family member who really loves the show. So consider Venmo Like a virtual tip jar. You can also get your hands on any Sidious Mag merch by visiting sidiousmag.com and hitting the merch tab. We actually just added coffee mugs on there so you can enjoy your morning brew while reading the latest edition of the Lap Count newsletter by Kyle Merber every Wednesday morning. Last thing before we get to the interview, I'm always grateful for the listeners who leave a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your reviews and ratings help new people discover the show and let future sponsors know what you think. So thanks again to everyone who has shared some of the most recent episodes on their Instagram stories or on Twitter. I do my best to reshare every time someone tags me or Sidious Mag in them. So thank you. Thank you all for your support. My guest for this first episode of 2022 is one of the biggest breakout stars of last year. We welcome Cole Hawker onto the podcast. At twenty years old, he's just he's putting himself at twenty years old, he's putting himself atop the U.S. middle distance running scene right now. I profiled him for Sports Illustrated last July after he outkicked reigning Olympic fifteen hundred meter champion Matt Sentritz for the win at the U.S. Olympic trials. It was actually one of my favorite races to watch of the whole ten days out in Eugene. Hawker's finishing speed is absolutely world-class. He went on to run 331 for sixth place in the Olympic 1500 meter final. And in September, he signed a professional contract with Nike and now has his sights set on his first professional indoor season, which includes headlining the men's 3000 meters at the Millrose games. In this episode, we discuss his plans for the new year, the decision to turn pro after just one full NCAA campaign at Oregon, thoughts on American record chasing and much more. So without further ado, here is Cole Hawker. All right, now we welcome on Cole Hawker to the City of Smag podcast after one of the best seasons I think anyone could have put together in 2021. So I guess, how how are things uh, going right now? You just got back from Florida, back in Eugene, getting ready for your first uh, season as a pro. Uh, so how are things coming together?
1: Uh, it's coming together good. Um, kind of after coming off of this summer, had like, this falls and like pretty chill. Um, and I kind of was reminding myself that I don't have a race for like until end of January, like, yeah, back in September and kind of just allowing myself to like completely relax and all of that. But now sort of been sharpening up for a while. And of course, this is just the opening race. And uh, I don't think anyone in that field has centered their season around this race. But of course, you want to do good at Milrose. And now it's kind of getting serious and I'm excited to get back into racing.
0: So to update people, I guess, since they've seen you compete at the Olympics, you made the decision to turn pro, um, signed with Nike announced it in September. When I had the conversation in the podcast episode with Cooper, he said, as of right now, the plan is sticking with Ben Thomas and staying in Eugene, uh, through, you know, the summer at least, is that also similarly your plan?
1: That is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know what all Cooper had mentioned, but yeah, right now I'm a volunteer coach with Oregon and just kind of staying under my current coach, Ben Thomas. uh, That's kind of the plan. And I think Cooper agreed with that as well. And we're just like, yeah, it's working Uh, just trying to limit like the variables kind of right now while we're shifting into this being our career.
0: Is it interesting to have to coach people that are a little (laughs) bit older than you?
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not doing much coaching, (laughs) let's be honest. It's kind of just like a title thing, but
0: yeah. Yeah. So in, in terms of the decision to turn pro um, it was sort of like for a while you were listed on like the Oregon cross country website post-Olympics. So I guess take us through August, early September, like how did this process come about?
1: Yeah. So that was kind of a weird time. And also like, weird amongst teammates not really weird like I knew they'd support me whatever I decided but I mean heading into a team-based season like cross-country where I was hoping to be a big contributor on our team like it was I was trying to time everything as well as I could and um, just I mean me Cooper and Charlie were just talking about the other day on how kind of long that process takes of negotiating an offer and turning it into a physical like a real contract that you can sign and date and whatever and so among doing that and then just deciding for myself like that I definitely want to go pro and there's no turning back after that like it was kind of yeah drawn out longer than I had wanted but for good reason there was a lot of considerations and that was kind of the reason for I reported on the same report date as uh, all of like Oregon cross country and I was in Eugene and I was ready to do the season kind of I was keeping it to myself but I was in the midst of deciding uh then and kind of working out kinks and contracts stuff like that
0: yeah so what put you over the top and, and made you decide to to go pro
1: yeah like I said the the team aspect um was definitely a, a part that was pulling me towards Oregon mm-hmm. of course like I I've made like such good friends here and everything we just clicking like teammate wise as well as like of course like racing wise Um but really what it came down to is I saw my goals and I was on the fence before heading to Tokyo then after Tokyo I kind of proved to myself what kind of an athlete I was and um, I don't know if I surprised myself but I had it and I had it like proof right there of where I rank in the world. And after that, I was kind of like, my goals are no longer, I want to be really reaching um, for like far goals within the NCAA. And my goal just laid outside of the NCAA and turning professionals the way that I would achieve those.
0: So let's lay out some of these goals. Let's vocalize them. Let's, let's manifest (laughs) them. What are, how, how big picture are we thinking?
1: I mean, placing sixth place and, uh, in the Olympics, there's only five places better than that, that I could achieve for um, in all of my career really. And of course now my goal is focused on number one. I don't really understand why I would shoot for less than that. i um, of course 1500 stronger than maybe it's ever been right now. And depth wise and uh, everyone's so talented right now, but I see myself right up there and I just want to win everything.
0: When we worked on that Sports Illustrated story together uh, last summer, it was interesting to hear the way that you were approaching each one of these different stages. You said to me that you had never been to an indoor championship. You went there and you won. You ne- had never, you know, been to an outdoor NCAA outdoor championship. You went in there and won. Same thing with the trials. hadn't been there before. Rise to the occasion. You won. And you're, you're saying, I'm going to approach the Olympics the same exact way. You were the only American guy to make the final. So I guess put us in your head. How low-key did you try and make the Olympic stage in your head before you step onto the track to face off against the best in the world?
1: Yeah, was there was an aspect of it where I was trying to make it low-key and simplify it in my head. Um, but it kind of like did it on its own when I was there. Like, I mean, thousands of Olympic athletes around and – I don't know. It seems like it was so hyped up in my head so big that when I got there, it was very hard for that to live up to that extreme level of hype and intensity, which I was happy about because I really like no one wants that extra stress that comes with it. And part of that was probably because it was an empty stadium, which definitely changes it. Um, But really like, I just like simplified it in my head of each round, like the first round, I was like, okay, get through this first round. Like, that's not what I came here, like, to do. Like, I don't want to race one race and, like, have come all the way to Tokyo, even though if I would have said that last season, I would have been happy with that (laughs) regardless. But when I was there, I was like, I got to, like, take this opportunity because, I mean, we all know how how few shots at Olympic Games you get. And and then, yeah, just round by round that next round, I was like, do literally whatever you can to get to that final because that was my – kind of big overarching goal going in like I want to make the final that's what everyone sees like unless you're in really into the sport people don't really watch the first two rounds like the world watches the final and I just knew I really wanted to get there and I was like just treat this like this could be your last race and just like send it if you have to
0: I I remember talking to your dad and he was saying how like the family had a viewing party set for the final. So there there was like a little bit of pressure where I was like, he's got to make it to the final.
1: (laughs) Definitely was. Yeah. I I remember them saying that I was like, yeah, well hopefully uh, hopefully, I come through like there's a little pressure there, but no more pressure than I was already putting on myself. So
0: (laughs) for going through something like, you know, a whole indoor collegiate season, outdoor collegiate season, even just the trials being, at Hayward field, there was so much of like the setting and like the variables around you that are sort of like in your control and familiar with you that, that probably definitely played to your strengths going to, you know, all those different stages where the Olympics were totally different. I mean, kind of behind the scenes was, was Ben there with you. And then like kind of being in the village first time rookie first games, like what was that experience like?
1: Yeah. So I went, uh, without a coach um, outside of like like, yeah, Ben couldn't go just because and I don't think he he was allowed inside the Olympic Stadium. Where as far as like brand coaches went, like coaches of Bowerman and uh, Union and like all of those other companies, I think it was a little different um, because they were associated with a brand. I don't really know how it all worked out, but it was tricky. And so, yeah, I went there just by myself, kind of. It seemed like I had. Charlie Hunter there also for Australia, but um, that was like something in itself for sure. And I mean, I would just, I treated it like no different. I did everything the exact same as I had done all year, just yeah, getting up at the same times I would like pre-race and all of that. But that's another thing that kind of uh, helped convince me that I can do this professionally is I was like, if I was able to do that trip Like that's probably one of the longest trips I would take in my career to Japan. And like, if I was able to do that and run like two or three PRs and get sixth place, then I'm pretty confident in myself on like doing other trips by myself as a professional. Yeah. At the,
0: at the trials, it's sort of, there was that moment. Obviously, the, the, the hush at the in the finish, the look over in the middle in the semifinals with you and Centruitz, where it was just sort of like by the end of it, this whole rivalry that people had built up in the lead up to, to the trials was sort of like you guys are both, you know, Oregon Ducks. Uh, it's sort of the top of the United States, a middle distance running scene friends at the end of all of it in the village, this is one of the questions that was sent in from one of the listeners. They want to know sort of like, what was the dynamic with between you and Matt Centuritz? And like, but since he didn't advance to the final, was there any sort of, Hey, here's what you should look out for any sort of advice.
1: I briefly saw him before the first round, I believe. And the second, like, and right after the second round. Um, But even for me, like, I didn't know. I think it helped other people know, like, when I got to the Olympic village, like there was so many athletes. I think there was like, like 14,000 athletes or something in total. Like it's, it is a village. Like, <laughs> and so you, you just don't even see people even if it's team USA. And so, yeah, I just saw him like briefly before the first round, he said, good luck. I said, good luck. And that's pretty much it. Like I, yeah. <laughs> it, you really don't see that many people unless you go out of your way to find them.
0: So in the final, though, you do step to the to the line. It's not college kids you're facing off and it's not some of the professionals that you had raced in, you know, meets here or there and you that you beat up on at the trials. This you look to to your left or right and you see Chariot, you see Inga Britson. How did you sort of I know the setting was one thing, no fans on making it low key, but then approaching it, uh, approaching the race like how did you sort of put yourself as like, where's my place in this race? Like not towards the front where these two guys like to front run. How did you kind of want to approach the actual tactics of the final?
1: Yeah, the final was tricky. Um, just because I think everyone watching and everyone in it knew that it was going to be fast. Like there was no getting around it. This was not the year for a tactical 1500 and it it did not go that way. And I was aware of my fitness and how I was where I was at in the season I was like yeah super confident going into the final and what I could do I didn't feel burnt out uh or any of that I think I I timed it uh pretty well and I was proud of that but kind of the idea was like just get in there get on the rail don't use extra energy um and just see what you can do and I was able to do that I got out to the rail and uh I think the field might have got a little far out, which is like kind of like, I don't know if it's inevitable, but I mean, when it's a 329 race, like, or was it 328? Yeah. But uh, yeah, fastest 1500 in the Olympics ever. And I was pretty happy with like a two second PR beating the previous day. Looking back on, it, I don't think I could really ask for more like tactically because that was just a race so much faster than any race I've ever been in
0: if you, it's so kind of going back, like there's no little, like, Oh, I wish I would have like gone here or anything like that. Have you gone back and rewatched it a couple of times?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've watched it a couple of times. I still don't like <laughs> take that much. in. I don't know. I, I, I still don't love watching it. Like that's not my favorite race to watch. I like to w- watch the races that I win and uh, destroy everyone. <laughs> so that one doesn't <laughs> really fit in there, but yeah, watching it, I'm like, gosh, I wonder what would have if I, gave this little surge uh 800 and to get right up with those leaders and whatever but I just remember thinking in the race like this is a flat out sprint like there's no settling in like you gotta just fight like tooth and nail for whatever position you can get and those are like thoughts that every runner like forgets after the race whenever they're looking back and yeah like I said I I, looking back and thinking about how it all went like I think I ran as well as I could have
0: How much does a race like that actually like hurt in the moment? Like those, those final 50 meters.
1: It's really strange. Like that one, especially like, it's not lactic acid that gets you at least I'm speaking from me, of course, only, I don't know how everyone else feels, but it's not like a lactic pain. It's not a, a breathing pain. It's just like, I can't go faster. (laughs) And I, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's definitely painful. Just like a full body, just like, you're giving it everything. And that is like something I'm, I'm glad I've gotten that now because throughout the entire season, I hadn't been pushed to that limit of going flat out from the gun to the finish.
0: Because if people went back and rewatched the final 200 of your win at the trials, like how does that sort of compare to how you were feeling there to the, the final 200 of the Olympics?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the final was flat out from the yeah. finish and the trials was not that way. Like I had so much time to think, uh, as well as everyone else in that field, you could just tell by how bunched up it was and how people were shifting around one another. And that was much more tactical. Of course. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, finishing the last, uh, 452 or 53, like you're just kind of waiting, I guess. And I think everyone is in the same boat in a race like that of, how, where should I kick and am I going too hard right now? And yeah, compared to the final, like in the Olympics, there's no thinking about that. It just hang on this person. And then, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, of course, maybe some of the top guys were being patient and playing it tactical, but yeah.
0: So you, you didn't race Monaco's before the Olympics and then no diamond league final afterwards. I know a full indoor season, full outdoor season, dragging this thing, the season on through the Olympics. Like, was it, did you want to, to race after that or did you say I'm done after, after the games?
1: Yeah, I was pretty set on being done um, as well. My coach was pushing for that too. Um, but I think we were in agreement there. I was kind of thinking like, you're not really going to, obviously you're not going to get a bigger race than that. That's a good way to end your season right there. And like the races like Monaco were very tempting. Cause that's like a bucket bucket list race. Um, that one just happened to be like before Tokyo and with the season I already had, I did not want to throw into like another international travel. Um, so yeah, I think in total, I raced like 27 races from like January to Tokyo, whatever. So I said, I didn't feel like taxed going into the final or whatever, Part of that was mentally telling myself that, but afterwards I was, I was pretty B and I was ready to just call it there.
0: So if we were to pinpoint your top three moments from last year, like what, what would you
1: uh, put on there? Top three moments. Let's go, let's start uh, with number three and okay. then work our way up. So yeah, number three would probably, probably be the, uh, the mile indoors um, I was just happy with that one because I never like run a race where I felt so confident before, and where I proved to myself that I was running the correct race. Like I, I think I led from, I think I led the entire way, and look, I looked back at it because I wasn't even thinking to end the race, and I was just like, "Wow!" Like that race felt really good, and that felt really good doing. Number two would be um, have to be NCAA 1500 meter because i mean just getting to race goose, and that that race being like that hyped up i was like i was like extremely nervous in the rest day in between the the prelim and the final um just because goose is just so he's just so fast like I, I, I had practiced my whole season like uh out kicking people and no one had ever given me like a a battle like nagu's like yeah he's just different and showed that also in the trials and then i think it's obvious to most people that trials is number one
0: because
1: mm-hmm. yeah that was just electric yeah
0: so for the podcast listeners i, I know we wrote about it in the sports illustrator can you remind people the story behind the hush what was the meaning behind raising your finger to your lips
1: so the meaning was really just against like the the critics and people are like Yo, what, what critics do you have but uh I can assure you they're out there and people like don't didn't think I could uh keep it going throughout the season like that I'd burn out stuff like that and just that I'm not in like that the same elite class of the these other guys these other professional runners and that was kind of just like a I don't know just a way of I don't know. I was kind of just like fed up with like hearing anything negative about myself, and that was just like a moment that I was able to have everyone eyes on me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think at this point your your fans outweigh your critics, so you've got that. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) So now to kind of bring this back to the fall, was there what what was the moment like when you decided, hey, it's time to to get back to work, and uh, you rejoined kind of everyone in Oregon but then ultimately decided to to turn pro was then was there an extension like sort of right after that to just like okay I'm just gonna watch the the guys do cross or were you doing workouts as well
1: um I was doing workouts um like just like I would just like I've done in years past where we kind of build up throughout our cross country I just didn't do those races and I wasn't traveling to those races which I enjoyed because it just I just got steady, consistent training and that's very valued in this sport. And uh, yeah, just to have uninterrupted training was really good. And I also had, uh, Cooper of course was just in a, he was in a li- little different training than I was because yeah, they were getting ready for races. Um, but I had James West here. Who's, uh, on my same page and training with me and, in Hayward as well. So we were able to pass together a good stretch of weeks and yeah, just kind of like, knock out those those base strength strengthening miles.
0: So when it comes to finally like sitting down with coach Ben Thomas and talking about 2022, Worlds is the big thing that is circled on everyone's calendar. What is a goal setting meeting look like uh between the two of you?
1: I think um Ben's aware of where most of my goals lie and um I think he- yeah, we both have our ideas of what the season should look like. And um, of course, yeah, this year is big goal, world championships in Eugene and uh, everything before that is, there's a lot of excitement before that, but it is just all lead up um, to that and qualifying for that race because that's no easy task. Um, Yeah. And then after that, hopefully um, do a European, tour or whatever with the diamond league and uh get to race in those races because like i said that's like a huge huge dream of mine just to race in those european tracks and um of course we want to go after some personal records and uh hopefully national records like i mean with i'm aware of like with cooper tier here and i think he's aware that if i'm here then us working together like we can we can accomplish some really good things
0: yeah, it's sort of like when I had Cooper on the podcast, he's definitely a little bit more bold and like out there in terms of just vocalizing. He's like, yeah, I mean, like the indoor American record, like, why not? Because it's like if you look at the list, you know, it's the two of you didn't fall too far from Legat, uh, who holds it right now. Initially, like you were down for the the mile at Milrose Games, then switched to the 3K. I don't know what the 3K indoor American record is but is that like now when we start to talk about like I figure at this point anytime you step to a race like the, the American record discussion is going to happen like are you sort of like kind of attuned to that as well
1: yeah I mean that's a yeah like I'm not actually aware what the three indoor 3k record is I probably <laughs> should know but um yeah like I guess yeah when we're going into those races and doing what we want to do and Yes, like, of course, when, we, when me and Cooper run a mile indoors, our goal is to PR if we're in that PR shape. And a PR when we're at 350 is like dangerously close to the American record indoors. So, I mean, they're kind of just like like correlated now of a personal record and uh, maybe a national record or something like that. And, yeah, like I said, like we have our goals set very high and we just want to hold ourselves to something like not usual. It's not,
0: it's no secret that Centro, I think has previously said, like the one record he's been going after for the longest time was like the outdoor men's 1500. Is there one in particular, like if you could have one American record, which one would it be? I
1: think it'd be the, I think it'd be the mile. Um, Alan Webb's mile. Yeah. Mile 1500. Uh, go the like, I don't know. There's similar events the miles run a little less, I guess. So I don't know. I just, they're both ridiculous. The mile would be really cool.
0: Yeah. So this time around, like indoors, the three K is what you're going to open the season with. Like, is it, and you at indoor USA is, is, is like down the horizon in, in February. I think Cooper was saying how, the hope would be for you two to kind of like split like the ones that you guys would go after. Like if he wants the 1500, you'd go after the three K. Is that sort of like how you guys want to play it or like I going head to head and trying to go one tune as many as possible is maybe what the fans want to see.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, no, it's, you know. It's when you're, when you're competing for spots, like I think ideally like you we would split up and, but not just to be like, nice guys I think we both know where our our, uh, strong like where we're stronger at Um, I think I'm just a little bit uh, quicker when it comes to the short stuff, and he just has that little bit more of endurance where I think it's perfect for like this past year in trials like 15 and 5k Um, but yeah there's no like really we're not just out there to like I don't know hand away (laughs) like like wins and stuff it'd be ideal if it worked out that way but sometimes we're gonna we're gonna toe the line together and I think we both enjoy that as well just because so familiar with it and we know we can do together in a race
0: I'm looking your 800 PR 146 39 what do you want to get that down to
1: yeah I know I, I want to race the 800 a little bit more and yeah that was after uh it was in LA right something yeah it might have been so uh, yeah, I think so. If that was a PAC 12, so that was after the prelim, obviously. So I don't know. I hopefully I could get that down like a second or two, uh, if I was fresh, but I just don't know how often that's going to present itself, but I really want to the 800 again.
0: So when we go to Milrose games, I think everyone looked at the field and it was just like, this is one of the most stacked three K's that I think we've ever seen. Like you you are a master now i think at downplaying sort of these races in your head this time around there's there's still fans expected at the armory for the millrose games the the talent is there how are you approaching this race
1: i'm treating it like it's a big deal which which it is like it's millrose and me and cooper have talked about racing in that since i uh, we wanted to race in it last year of course like it didn't happen so we didn't get that chance and we would have probably around the mile so um yeah now being the 3k it's just like yeah super competitive guys and sometimes when it's a field like that I don't know it, it almost takes the pressure makes the pressure a little less I just feel like it could go any way like there's so many good guys that like everyone's everyone could win <laughs> and so like I don't know it's like a weird psychological thing I, I think that I have but if, if there's like one favorite i think it's like you got to go after that guy but like now that it's like kind of even i think like you just go out there and race your race and like just like give it whatever you got i'm really excited for it though
0: we've got coffee club we've got union we've got bowerman i guess like i asked cooper sort of like what do you guys calling yourselves for now like do, do you have a name and like sort of how are what what what's the rivalry you kind of want to start I know people people
1: did it for you last year but is yeah. there any, anything you want I guess <laughs> I don't I don't know if I want a rivalry but that would be yeah it would be good to come up with a name I guess for whatever I don't know for our yeah our little group out here so I don't know who we're who we're out to get next but <laughs> we're just trying to do whatever we can yeah
0: all right, so I'm going to toss it now to a couple of the listener questions that were sent in. First one up, we got one from Annalise Crow. She asks, what are your New Year's resolutions non-running related?
1: Um, <laughs> that's kind of a good question because they were related, I guess, a lot like it was to
0: you're like, it's my job. It's my life. (laughs) It encompasses so much of my day.
1: Yeah. I didn't realize I only thought about that, but this one can go outside of running as well. or just like to do uh, everything with intention of like, I mean, it's kind of directed towards running where like everything I do, like, why am I doing this weight session? Like it's to win this race, like do it because of a reason. Don't just go through the motions, but I feel like that can also be applicable to like, so many things in life. Like if I just sit down and I don't know, do something, then just make sure you're doing it for a reason.
0: Yeah. I like that one. Next one up. We got Isra Hern 3 asks, how do you keep your hair in top shape? I guess drop the hair care routine. People used <laughs> to do this with, with Evan Jager. Anytime that he, I remember back in worlds in 2013, there was like some Swedish or Finnish journalists that were in the mix zone. And they like asked him to like flip, his hair for them like on camera and then asked him like what whatever his routine was so that people want to know cole how do you keep your hair in top shape
1: all i do is i just use pantene shampoo and conditioner and then i got this big comb uh just comb it out and so get all get all the knots out of it
0: is there pantene (laughs) sponsorship or no not yet
1: (laughs) i want to maybe maybe this can be the connection (laughs) yeah get it out there
0: um, let's see. James Harrelson asks, "What moment on the track has left you the most humble?" Now, I've heard the story from Cooper about the 200s that you threw down after uh, Nagus beat you at Oregon Twilight. So, I'm, I feel like that would be maybe one of them. Or what? What, what would you say is the race at, or moment that has left you most humble?
1: Um. Yeah that that race. Yeah, in the middle of the season of racing uh cooper and the goose was definitely like this past year's uh and a humbling experience because i was hoping to go like i just was was hoping to go undefeated and i thought like the way i'm racing i should have went i should be able to hang right there and uh kick past like both of these guys in my head that's what i was going to do and when it got down to it and i couldn't do it and so i was definitely like pretty pissed off (laughs) after that but it was it was humbling and like i said that's why that uh, uh, NCAA 15 final like meant so much just because the talent that was in that race. And I was aware that these, these guys are just unbelievable. Um, that was really humbling. And then it doesn't get much more humbling than running a PR in the Olympic final and still getting kind of smoked. So <laughs> that was a good reality check.
0: What do you think it's going to take to beat Inger Brits in her chariot? Like for you personally, what, what is the most you can do? to to try and beat them
1: i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing and i mean i intend to i intend to be both of them um in my career and i don't think anything drastic has to change i'm just still training as as a 20 year old and hoping that i mean my training will develop the more i mature and i just just trust in the process really
0: so like, if you, you don't have to assign a number to it, but it gets you kind of thinking a little bit, like if you can close a race in 23 high 24, like what, like what exactly is the, the, or, or the last lap, like, what does that last lap have to be in order to beat them?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, that's like, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause that would, that would, if mean you were to rerun was, uh, the
0: Olympics, basically,
1: right. Yeah that's the thing like in the future hope I want to be in ninth place heading into 400 to go um so hopefully it would only take like a, a 55 or whatever if I'm already going 329 pace um something like that I don't know I yeah I don't hopefully every race in my career isn't dependent on my kick I guess what I'm trying <laughs> to say yeah
0: I think Mac fleet has talked about, uh, it might've been on the episode with Cole, just kind of your form in those last like hundred meters and how you really do end up going to the arms. Like, is that something that you're trying to to fix or is it just sort of like it works right now? So I don't really need to fix it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I see it in the replay and things start to come unglued, <laughs> but really like there's some races where I'm able to keep it together much better, but there's other races like the, the trials where, I don't really have any time to, th- I'm not trying to pump my arms. I'm, I'm, I'm not really thinking. I just like am going and in my head, I'm like, "As the quickest way to get there. Let's get there. Next
0: one up. Nathan Klein asks, who do you put on the Indiana Mount Rushmore of running?
1: Oh, I'm definitely going to forget someone, um, but. I can give you like Rudy Choppa and Futsum since lossy. Are definitely like one, two. I think um,
0: you could put yourself on there if you want.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think now hopefully I've I've uh, earned that. I think I have the fastest mile in Indiana history, and I don't know. That's what, worth the spot. Else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I was, I guess, I was thinking in in high school. I wasn't. I don't know. Like like Ben veach won two state championships, but yeah, I don't know. That's my answer. <laughs>
0: All right, yeah, we'll put Ben beat and we'll we'll throw you on there. There's your four. There but how about yeah, Oregon Ducks? That's the one that I have asked as many people as possible. Phil Knight, he ended up saying that it was the five. The I think it was the five people that were on the Bowerman Tower. When I asked him to take one off, he said he wouldn't do it. So and then Cole gave me. His, I mean, Cooper. Uh, Cooper gave me his. Who are your
1: four? Okay, the okay. This one I actually always always forget someone. Uh, it's gotta be pre rep. I'm also distance bias. So like I think Ash and Eaton definitely deserve a spot. But I'm just gonna say like I don't know, Cezarex like the go NCAA runner and then Centro is a gold medalist. Like that's hard, that's hard to beat.
0: yeah no it it is it is really tough to just pinpoint it to five uh, to, to four so i'll get i'll get i'll let you get away with with those five for now okay um next one a lot of people were curious about your mileage in high school and like kind of how that sort of evolved i know you've been running since you were what nine eight years old and you know it's been a Long career of competitiveness. There's videos, I guess, on Flow Track of you racing as a <laughs> as a nine year old. So, kind of take us through a little bit of that evolution and just training wise. Like, wh- how much mileage has been on your legs over these over these years?
1: Um, in high school, there's been like, I was very little. I'd say like thirty five to forty, maybe probably thirty to forty, um, and I would just vary heavily doing speed work opposed to like long endurance sessions. Like, especially I see some of these like high school kids doing now. And I I mean, no one has the answer to what's, how to get, how to become the best, but um, yeah, there's just different ways to it. And I think maybe with more mileage in high school, I could have maybe been faster and maybe ran a faster two mile or whatever. But the way it prepared me for college as I think was perfect and coach Thomas here was like able to perfectly ease me in as a freshman he would like pretty often tell me just to like stop a workout or like early and he would just never let me like go completely to the well and just like exhaust myself because he knew what I was coming from and he knew what I was building towards. Um, My freshman year here I was doing about 60 to 70. so still nothing crazy and really I've kept it in that same range now yeah with slight slight outlier weeks and whatever
0: all right mike z asks (laughs) thoughts on uh running youtube i guess like you are one of the the new gen guys and you were featured very prominently i guess in some of their videos during the summer of boulder um so again it's funny because again cooper very camera friendly go you like to play kind of just like the best supporting actor role in the, in the video. So thoughts on running YouTube.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you said it like, yeah, I think Cooper is like kind of like built for that and he enjoys it. And, um, I'll pop in a video here and there and not as closely. I, I don't do also the work that some of them do to pump out the magazines and stuff like that. So I can't really, I would never take credit for any of that. Um, yeah, I just kind of pop up in the videos here and there, but I think everyone now is making running content and I don't, I don't really see why there's any problem with that. If you want to show what you're doing and knock yourself out. I think I don't see how it hurt anyone. I think it's probably good for the sport too.
0: Someone I think had asked, uh, I believe it was Cooper about how he came to the decision to choose the song for his little going pro announcement video. You ended up choosing praise God by Kanye Big Kanye, big rap fan, hip hop fan. What I guess what was the decision making process like for you when it came to to that video? Because you only get to go pro once. And so this yeah. post was going to get a lot of attention and likes.
1: Yeah. Well, like, yeah, the dunned album, which that was off of, of course, was like the most like like hyped up album, like probably of the year. And yeah, I mean, it's been being hyped for like the past three years with like title changes and whatever. And I was waiting on it and I finally dropped and I heard that song and, was, and that, that intro it was just like super dope. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I want, I want to put that in the video. And I asked like Carter, my teammate, I was like, I really want to do this song, but I don't know if it's like too, like, too like trendy and it would be kind of stupid in a few years. He was like, I'll just do it. Like it's not that important. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. But what's kind of annoying is that I swear I was the first one to do it. And after that, it's become like a TikTok sound. i was like, come on now. Like, it kind of ruined it, but it's whatever.
0: Do you still have access to the OX court at, uh, at Hayward Field? Because I know that that was a thing that when, you know, the pandemic hit and you guys were still training out there in order to even t- during the time trials and stuff, you guys would just, you know, play the music and blast it to get you guys, I guess, amped up for, for these races. So are you still... You know, in charge of the music during practice is that is that the assistant coach job that? You <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, honestly, it should be more. I, I'm I'm rarely in charge. Like, I don't know. It's usually we usually have to ask someone like that. Uh, I guess it has been on the coaching staff, and they usually hook it up. I've never hooked up directly, but they'll be like, "What do you guys want to hear?" And then we'll tell them. Uh, but yeah, I, I need I need to get on the Oxmore because that that changes workouts.
0: Yeah, honestly, that you can honestly take it and show it to uh, Ben Thomas. Like, look, the guys ran faster today because <laughs> yeah. they played Donda. Um, exactly. All right, final questions that I ask every guest. First one is, uh, what is the funniest drug testing story that you've got?
1: Um, I really don't have that many. Like, I just started getting tested. Uh, after trials really I mean besides from the university but it's a little different process um, I guess the funniest one would be like the first time I did it through USADA um, that's like yeah like you got to do all these little things and twist the caps on right and out and the guy was like telling me what to do and I was like slowly doing everything I, I was like so confused he was like you never been tested before? I was like, no. He's like, oh, okay, I can tell. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, I don't know. That was very interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I mean that's that. that it's fine. It's better than uh, some of the people who just well. One, it's, it sounds like you're efficient because other people have said stories of how it takes them, you know, two, three, four hours to sometimes pr- produce a sample, and then other times there's people who have put the cap on the wrong way and they have to do it over again or not have it screwed on. And then when they make you, I guess, like turn it upside down, it all just has come out and then you have to (laughs) redo the whole thing. So uh, your story is not as bad as uh, some other people. Uh, Next one I've got is if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, they don't even have to be a real person, assuming they could hold a nice conversational pace with you, where would the run take place and who'd it be with?
1: Oh, probably run I run through some like might be like super snowy but through like somewhere in Switzerland okay through some cool areas with uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't wanna be. I don't want to be lame and just say Kanye
0: you could uh, pick Kanye <laughs> He's, he, I, there's been photos of him wearing like a USATF like crew neck or or, or sweater and it's mm-hmm. like that's probably the extent of his, uh, his track and field
1: exposure. So yeah, could yeah. Pick on you <laughs> yeah, that's, that'd probably be my pick, even though I don't know what the pace would be.
0: <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice and slow. I mean, did he ran a yeah. marathon? So I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, last one I've got is, has nothing to do with running. It always just kind of tests where people's heads are at when it comes to, if you get 25 shots from half court on a full-size basketball court, so say you go to whatever it is, Matthew Knight arena, I think. Right. Uh, half court, 25 shots. If you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt those shots?
1: For sure. I thought you were going to say how many out of 25 I'd make.
0: Oh, really? So there's a confidence (laughs) you can make multiple.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you ever
0: end up playing basketball in high school
1: at all? No, not in high school. Just before that? Yeah. I played a little bit in middle school and elementary.
0: nice all right so there's some background there and and i and i dig the confidence for sure (laughs) all right cool well i appreciate you doing this uh and wishing you all the best of luck uh in training as milrose uh is gonna be here in like three weeks so um hoping it's a really fast race i'll see you out there and uh all the best in this outdoor season as well
1: yeah i appreciate it thanks
0: The Sidious Mag Podcast is a production of the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. It is produced and edited by Mike Zerzolo. Did you enjoy this episode enough to dish out a couple bucks? Support Sidious Mag by pledging any dollar amount over on Patreon.com slash Sidious Mag to join our loyal legion of backers who keep this show going strong. If you're on your phone right now, you can also open up the Venmo app and hit us with a one-time donation to at Sidious Mag. We've also got merch over on SidiousMag.com. Any way you can show your support goes a long way. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Legs are feeling good. See you next time.